and welcome back to The Haunting Hour. My name is Ryan Brown, your co-host here at The Haunting Hour, and joined as always alongside my brother Tyler. Ty, how are we doing tonight? Quads and hammies are wildly sore today, um, but other than that, I am in really good spirits on this unseasonably warm mid to end August Wednesday. Leg day, I'm guessing, right? Leg day was yesterday for me, and I'm usually not a day after leg day sore. I'm usually a two days after leg day sore. So the fact that I'm sore today means tomorrow is going to be so much worse, and I am super pumped about that. Do you get the uh, two days after the sex kind of sore? No, dude, just have (laughs) normal sex with the chicks you have sex with. And the fact that you have any kind of soreness after sex means you have to work on two things, cardio and the old hip thrusts, the old gluteys. It's my lower back. You got to suck in that gut and work on some uh, little bit of core, like our boy Jay Cutler says, three by 10 hanging leg raises, his favorite. September is going to be a really big training block, I think, for yourself, myself, and our good buddy, Quinn Peters, who has something, I guess you could argue, even more important coming up than the when we were young fest in vegas he's getting married in february in the dominican republic body's got to be looking tight quinn because i know you're listening to this episode we have got to buy him a tanning oil or like a tan spray gun or something because he's not going to tan at all before (laughs) his trip but we have to make him look bronze af um moving on here to the uh good spookiness that we like to talk about here ty it's the last week of august We're almost into September, into Labor Day weekend, and this weekend, me and Tyler are going to the Silver Scream Convention in Danvers, Massachusetts, put on by our favorite band, Ice Nine Kills. It's going to be a wildly spooky good time. We get to meet a lot of horror icons, and the whole weekend is wrapped up with an amazing show put on by Ice Nine Kills. Talk about putting on your big boy panties and sailing out to the deep water. (laughs) This is the jumping off point for our entire fall, and what a way to kick it off. Also, building off of that, me and Tyler will be at the Seekers of the Supernatural Paracon at Mohegan Sun uh, this October. That is going to be the date of Saturday, October 29th. Tickets are on sale now. All you guys have to do is go to mohegansun.com, look for their event page, and then click the calendar tab, scroll down to the lovely month of October, find the Seekers of the Supernatural Paracon tab, click on that bad boy, buy yourself a ticket, and then come hang out with me and Ty for the day. And the really cool thing is that the money that you guys spend on your tickets, we don't see any of it. Not a cent. Not a cent. So we're going there on our own free will, which means we want as many people that we know and that know us to come to our table. So if you are on the East Coast, consider making a trip to Mohegan Sun, not only to see your boys, but to also hit the blackjack table and hit Sky Bar. And in addition to that, you can hear how Arnie Johnson was f***ing possessed and why he did what he did. And I will say, I think Mohegan Sun is worth, like, if you live within, what, 400 miles of Connecticut... It's worth a trip here for a night, maybe two. Additionally, the Norwich Insane Asylum is 500 yards away from Mohegan, so you could make a full weekend out of this. Come up Friday, try to get into the grounds of the Insane Asylum legally, obviously. Watch out for cops. 
and then shoot over Saturday morning to the Horicon. Go out that night, drink some drinks, win a thousand bucks, take off Sunday. You're home Sunday night. You can do your laundry, get ready for work the next day, and you can on Instagram say how much fun you had meeting the Brown Brothers. It's also, I was thinking about it, it's an awesome way to spend the weekend of Halloween, especially if you're just going to Mohegan Sun for the morning or the afternoon. It's October 29th, so you got two days till Halloween. Halloween falls on a Monday this year. Yes, that sucks. We no, 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 no. Sunday night. Okay, better. I like that. <laughs> but it just seems like a really, really cool way to spend that Saturday morning. Even if you got plans Saturday night, swing by Mohegan Sun, have a good time, and then you'll be on your way celebrating Halloween that weekend. But speaking of the spooky season, Ty, I have two questions to ask you real quick. One, do you have a favorite spooky snack that you eat during the fall season? And I'm not talking about candy. How R-rated can I get right now? No, okay. That's not, I was looking for like maybe an apple cider donut. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) So I can't say pumpkin head, right? That's going to be, that's a brew. So yeah, no, I'm talking about like a snack, like something like, Mm, man, I can't wait for that spooky snack to come out and eat it during Halloween time. I'm not much of a snacker. Nothing really jumps out. I know I like binge Reese's on Halloween night okay. because there's always a giant bowl of them, all like the little mini individually packed Reese's, and I have upwards of 20. Have you ever had the unwrapped ones that are just like sitting in the bag? Yes. I've, <laughs> oh, I've eaten a whole bag of those. Dude, those are so dangerous. My first, The first time I had that was actually in uh, Middletown. I think there's like, 1800 calories in oh, the little zip bag easily yeah so those are not uh coming into my my place at all this halloween because i gotta be looking fit but i would say that halloween is like the only time of year where i do snack on candy occasionally okay so candy in general because i never buy candy other than the end of september early october months but i wanted to touch upon the fact that the the pumpkin what are they the pillsbury cookies there's like 12 of them in a pack. You just throw them in the oven. Sugar cookies. Yeah, they're done in like 12 minutes or something. I had one of those two nights ago. Oh my God, I miss these things so much. But talk about you could eat all 12 of those in a matter of seconds probably if you tried. I am also really stoked for fair food. Yes, that's another thing that comes around in the fall. Yeah, fair season is fast uh, approaching. That's what I was going to say. Apple cider donuts, man. That's the other one that I absolutely love in the fall. I think... I've never had anything sweet at a fair because I always go savory. But if I do see those at either of the fairs I go to this fall, I will try one just for you. Actually, I really want to check out the, what's the huge fair in Springfield? That, the Big E? The Big E. I've never been to the fair. We saw a day to remember there last year, dude. At a concert. Oh, you at didn't a go venue. into the fair itself? No, no. Oh. We were, remember how late we were running? Yeah. Thanks to Courtney's driving. Let me tell you, the fair sucks. Does it? It's so bad. <laughs> I hear nothing but good things about the food, though, like the fried Oreos, fried yeah. dough. Yeah, if you want to wait 20 hours in line, sure. But yeah, no, I just want to touch upon those Pillsbury cookies coming out, as well as apple cider donuts. Cannot freaking wait. And apple cider itself. I haven't had a sip of apple cider in, God, 12 months now, maybe. Angry Orchard and apple cider. So I guess I'm stoked for like the mixed drinks too. The yeah. fall mixed drinks. Okay, I'm back. I like that. Especially when it's like 35, 40 degrees. 10 o'clock at night, you can go on the porch, have a nightcap. Now, second question, building on this. What is your favorite spooky scented candle? Do you have one? 
it is not specific to Halloween or the fall, but uh-huh. I think it is a, a quote spooky scent, but it's year round and it's super popular, but it's my favorite Midsummer's Night. Yes, that is very, uh, that's a mandal as I call it. It's like a kind of smells like Old Spice and like, uh, I yeah, there's, I say. there's no part of like the scent itself that is super overpowering, which I hate from Yankee Candle. Mm-hmm. It is subtle, but when you walk into a room and like you're and that's lit, oh, 10 out of 10. That's definitely my favorite one. Love it. Um, but I wanted to tell you guys that Yankee Candle is coming out with their false scents. God, it's coming out within two days that we put this podcast out. So by the time this reaches your ears, it'll already be out. And it's called the Phantasmagoria collection. And they have three different candles coming out. They haven't dropped the names yet, but it looks like something regarding a skeleton, something regarding a witch, and then something, of course, regarding a pumpkin. So those three scents will be out very, very soon. But my personal favorites, Bed Bath & Beyond, Vampire Blood, if you guys have never smelled that candle before, go to your nearest Bed Bath & Beyond and buy one. It smells like sweet tarts and apples together. It is amazing. Um, and then Yankee Candle, it was limited last year or two years ago. Haunted Hayride, the single best smelling candle they've ever come out with in the history of forever. If you guys can find one of those on like eBay or Etsy, buy it and you're welcome. I f***ing remember those. Those were so good. I can still like vaguely smell it. Also, uh, started a podcast. I know it's sacrilege for a podcaster to start listening to another podcast. You listen to a podcast? E- uh, it's e- an ebook podcast, pretty much. Whoa, I never thought I'd see the day. So it's not really a podcast. No one preaches about shit like we do. No, it's called the Horror Babble Podcast. And all it is is a British dude reading Lovecraftian oriented books, short stories, 15, 20 minutes. So every single drive into work, my Mondays and Fridays, which I usually leave around 5.15. So even now at the end of the summer, it's pretty dark out. I throw that on, listen to three or four stories. God, is it set me in the mood and I cannot wait to do that this fall either. Have you ever been super tired going into work and then put on like wage war at like four or five in the morning? Every day of my life. It is hit or miss with me. It either sets my day up where I'm like, okay, let's fucking grab today by the balls. Or it's like, dude, you <laughs> maybe tap the brakes a little bit. You, you got a little bit of a problem. Yeah, but you have another cup of coffee and then right. we'll, we'll talk. Actually, everyone should be drinking water before their coffees. And it's something that no one talks about, but caffeine dehydrates the fuck out of you. So does sleeping. So before you guys drink your coffee tomorrow morning, chug 12 ounces of lukewarm water and stay hydrated. All right. Enough of the uh, gift of the gab here. Let's get into tonight's topic, which I'm sure you are all super excited for. I almost said stoked again, and I've said it like five times. If I say it during this, let me know. I'm stoked. Boy. Uh, Okay, we're going to talk about werewolves tonight. One of the, I think, hardest subjects you could ever discuss because, like, talk about a rabbit f***ing hole. It goes on and on and on, and there are so many different alleyways you could take regarding werewolves so what i want to do is just keep it super brief with origins if you guys want to know more about the history just google it there's so much you could talk about with werewolves Um, but what i really want to do is talk about werewolves in or how it evolved from the 40s to the 80s to today and how ryan depicts werewolves in literature and movies compared to what they used to be 
based off werewolves, I feel like those are the oldest type of folklore, I want to say, other than vampires. I feel like those two go hand in hand being like the oldest things that people like to talk about. If you want to throw ghosts in there, sure. Werewolves actually predate the vampire lore. Really? By almost thousands of years. That's insane. So we'll get into the first occurrence of it, but uh, what I want to do is, because you love definitions and because I love definitions, and so everyone knows what we're talking about, I want to read the Britannica definition of a werewolf, which I like. So a werewolf. In European folklore, a werewolf is a man or woman who turns into a wolf at night and devours animals, people, or corpses, but returns to human form by day. Some werewolves change shape at will. Others, in whom the condition is hereditary or acquired by having been bitten by a werewolf, change shape involuntarily, under the influence of a full moon. And this type of werewolf also goes alongside the cursed werewolf. So it's not super clear exactly when and where the werewolf legend originated, but many scholars believe that werewolf, the term werewolf, made its debut in the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is the oldest known Western prose in the entire world. And what that means is it is the first written document that scholars could find. So in the first thing that was ever written down in the Western part of the, the, the world, um, they made a reference to a quote, Wolfman. Just for all of our listeners, and also me, what was the Epic of Gilgamesh? The Epic of Gilgamesh was like a, I don't, I don't know if it's a poem or a just short story, but it was just about, not a log, but a traveling account gotcha. about this dude named Gilgamesh. Okay. And in it, Gilgamesh actually said no to a potential lover because he found out that she had turned her previous lover or her previous mate, into a wolf. I would have said yes. If I was Gilgamesh, I would have been like, hell yeah. I feel like it's a win-win if you say yes and you get the girl and she's exactly what you want, then you get the girl. But if you get the girl and she somehow turns on you, you turn into like a badass wolf. Sounds sounds good. That's yeah, a win-win. <laughs> Does that predate the Bible? Predates everything. So thousands of years later, werewolves also made an appearance in Greek mythology. And that happened with the legend of Lycaon. So according to the legend itself, Lycaon, the son of Pelasgus, angered the god Zeus when he served him a meal made from the remains of a sacrificed boy. As punishment, the enraged Zeus turned Lycaon and his sons into wolves. And let me guess, this is where the term lycanthrope comes from. Very good, Ryan. A couple hundred years after this, and if we move north, we get to the Nordic folklore and the Nordic mythology. And it doesn't talk much about Loki and Thor and Odin, um, Odin mm-hmm. but in the Norse mythology, the Norse gods and all that stuff, um, I believe it's Fenir. Fen- Fenir? Something like that, yes. <laughs> Whichever one. I think you guys know what I'm talking about, especially if you've seen Thor 3. Yes, um, and, and Supernatural. He's and in Supernatural. Yes, he is. We're actually going to talk about Supernatural later on. Yes. But in the Norse mythology, this giant wolf was the one that was supposed to potentially cause um, the destruction of Asgard. And this giant wolf was, people say, a werewolf. Additionally, there was another uh, text called the Saga of Valsungs, which tells the story of a father and son who discover wolf pelts that had the power to turn people into wolves for 10 days. 
This was still in the Nordic folklore. So the father and son duo donned the pelts, transformed into wolves, and went on a killing rampage in the forest. Which is kind of cool. That's terrifying, actually. So moving on to actual individuals in the world who were seen as werewolves or who claimed to be werewolves. We have three or four accounts that I think people have heard of. And then we'll talk about, I guess, the, the most famous werewolf of all time, which was based or which was, I guess, talked about in Germany. So we're going from the origins a bit into uh, actual accounts of, of legitimate people who were potentially werewolves. In 1521, Frenchman Pierre Bergeau and Michel Verdun allegedly swore allegiance to the devil and claimed to have an ointment that turned them into wolves. After confessing to brutally murdering several children, they were both burned to death at the stake, and burning was thought of back then to be one of the few ways that you could actually kill a werewolf. A few years later, another Frenchman named Giles Garnier was dubbed the Werewolf of Dole. So he too said that he had an ointment that actually changed him into a werewolf, and according to legend, as a wolf, he viciously killed children and women and ate them. He was also burned to death at the stake for his monstrous crimes. Why Why is an ointment given to you by the devil? That sounds like weirdly gross. Well, if you compare it to the pelts that the Nordic faith believed. So you could like wrap it around yourself kind right. of thing. Sa- same idea. Skin. Yep. All right. In 1680. I have no idea how far Germany is from France, but I do know it is northeast. So northeast of France, we're heading to Germany. A man named Peter Stubb, uh, a wealthy 15th century farmer in Benburg, Germany, was dubbed the most notorious werewolf of all time. So according to folklore, he turned into a wolf-like creature with long arms and long legs and devoured many citizens of Benburg, Germany. Peter was eventually blamed for the gruesome killings after being cornered by hunters who claimed they saw him shapeshift from wolf to human form. He experienced a grisly execution after confessing under torture to savagely killing both animals, men and women, and children, and eating their remains. Do you think that's more or less a, the people who cornered him, like, hey, this is the one person we can blame for this crime because he's an outsider? Let's just blame this guy. You torture him enough and he's just going to confess because he's like, I'm going through too much pain, and he didn't actually do it. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. In the the span of time that was the medievals the or the medieval spectrum of time. Um, I read that there was like just in France alone, over 30,000 people were executed for being a werewolf. I don't want to call it similar to witchcraft in new England, but it was like an out for these people to blame somebody for a specific reason that probably didn't even exist. Yeah, it's the same idea as the Salem Witch Trials and the same idea as the Inquisition, where it was, in essence, hysteria. Right. But we also discussed, especially with the Salem Witch Trials, which we never released, um, that a lot of this hysteria may have legitimacy. And we're hinting at maybe one of these people, maybe one of these 30,000, 35,000 people were indeed a legitimate werewoman or werewolf. Okay, fast forward a couple hundred years, and we'll talk about the Beast of Jevadan. So the Beast of Jevadan supposedly attacked over 210 people in the region of southern France between 1764 and 1767, with 113 of them losing their lives. Holy shit. 
<laughs> which is a body count. One in every two, whoever, Yikes. whatever this guy was that he attacks, dies. So the beast was described by those unfortunate enough to have seen it as having a wolf-like appearance with reddish fur, an extremely long tail, and huge teeth. It attacked its victims by ripping out their throats and then partially eating the bodies. Huge resources back then were put into the capture of the beast, and even Louis V offered a reward to a group of young people who had fought off an attack by the creature. He also sent professional wolf hunters with bloodhounds into the area, but the attacks did not stop. So this specific case was what prompted the newer version of the Wolfman, the 2010, I believe, um, that... Benedicio del Toro. Yes. Starred in. Stars in, yes. Yes. So this prompted the storyline behind the Benedicio del Toro movie. Not the original Wolfman, though? Nope, not the 1940s. Uh, I think it's Chaney was the dude who was the Wolfman. Yeah, Lon Chaney. Lon Chaney. Yep. But it was, in essence, the idea behind the new version. Now, people always compare werewolves and vampires. So in your specific opinion, A, which one do you think is scarier? Like, which one would you rather not meet? And B, which one do you think could trump over the other? I think I would be scared to meet both of them. I think that scares me about vampires is the fact that they're so stealthy. And also the fact that if it was a female vampire, I'd be like, dude, I want to have sex with you right now because you're so hot. So I'd probably just sleep with them and then they'd kill me in bed. Um, talk about a great way to go. But I think vampires are scary because they're very stealthy and very human-like and you can't really tell if they're a vampire or not. But werewolves are literally just visceral fucking killers where if you accidentally walked down the wrong path at nighttime and you were unlucky enough to come across the path of a werewolf, you would get ripped to shreds. And I feel like I would be so terrified at that point that werewolves, I think, are, in my opinion, more scary than vampires. Vampires, I honestly believe, are way more cat and mouse with their prey. So they would be way more into, and I think a lot of different stories uh, and TV shows portray this, they seduce you, right? Not even like the intimate way, but they... Bummer. I mean, a lot of them do. Um but they, they get your interest. They are the quiet, super dark, always attractive type that you're interested in until you're alone with them. Right. It's kind of like what you said. A werewolf, on the other hand, is just, it has literally one thing on its mind, and that is to kill. It does mm-hmm. not matter if you are a, a man, a woman, a child. It doesn't matter if you have uh, like an AK-47. If you have a knife, it will run right into you and tear you apart. And that's why I think I am personally more afraid of a werewolf. Not that I could ever stand a chance against a vampire, but at least I could maybe talk my way into having like one last drink and then they'll tear up my throat. So literature, movies, and TV shows. I purposely did not describe werewolves regarding the definition of a werewolf because every single whatever it is work of art is portraying this this monster this beast differently so i want to talk about the four or five most prevalent different types of werewolves in some of the most famous pieces of literature of all time number one by our boy J.R.R. tolkien it is a very hard name to pronounce uh the dryugluian wait is this like in the silmarillion or something or lord of the rings this is in the silmarillion (laughs) 
Oh, I did not know about this because that book is way too hard to read. So bred from the wolves and inhabited with an evil spirit sent by Morgoth himself, Dryugluian was the sire of all werewolves, which means he was the alpha. Okay, and it was sent by who? Uh, so, uh, yep, sorry. For anyone who's never read the Silmarillion or couldn't understand it, which I couldn't e- either, um, Sauron had a master, and his name was Morgoth. Okay. And Morgoth, in essence, created every single evil entity in Middle-earth. Gotcha. If he- nobody knows who Sauron is, that's the guy who created all the rings. All the so rings. The, the big bad dude you guys see in all the Lord of the Rings movies, that's Sauron. He himself had a master. So you can only imagine how f***ing badass this dude was. And this master is the one that created this alpha werewolf to create other werewolves to rule Middle-earth. So that was one of the... uh, They didn't really show it much in Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit, but if you have read The Silmarillion or the Lord of the Rings books, you do hear mention of this giant monster werewolf. This is a werewolf that is 35 feet tall, so it's not like it is your typical 6, 7, 8, 9 foot werewolf, um, but it does... We it, we should mention it because it is J.R.R. Tolkien. He's the size of a building, more or less. Yeah, you're not standing a chance against this thing. Quick question, two seconds here. Would you rather face Shelob, that's the giant spider in Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, or would you rather face... Dryugluian? Dryuglugian. <laughs> I would... I would so much rather face this werewolf thing. <laughs> oh my god. I could never, in a million oh. years, walk into old Shelob's cave... J.K. Rowling is next. Oh. So there are two very prominent werewolves. Number one, obviously, is Remus Lupin. Anti-hero, I guess you could say, because he is a werewolf and he does kill people. Yeah. But he's also a really good guy. Um, and then Fenrir Greyback. Love him. He's, he's legit villain. Yeah, he's... Oh, yeah, he's an absolute villain. Um, and they talk way more in the book than they do in the movies about both of these characters. But the depiction, I think, in the third installment via the movie was, I think, one of the most unique werewolf depictions of all time. And I'd say one of the scarier ones of all time, especially because it went out to so many viewers in the public because Harry Potter was so unbelievably popular at the time. I think they did such a cool job making Lupin fucking terrifying when he turned into a werewolf. It was very different from what you saw in... Movies like The Wolfman, in movies like The Howling, in movies like An American Werewolf in London back in the 80s, which because it was all visual effects and there wasn't any CGI, they it was all costumes, um, and they still looked really good, but those were far more stocky, stout, humanoid kind of. It was like a human in costume. Yes, but it wasn't human regarding its like extremities. So I think the Lupin version is way more human than you could argue the 80s Wolfman um, depictions. If you've ever seen Van Helsing with Hugh Jackman, Mm -hmm. that is a werewolf that is literally an upright wolf, a super buff upright wolf. Right. That's very different than what J.K. Rowling wrote. Exactly. And that's why I think it's so unique and so scary because it does have really human features as far as its extremities go, even though they are elongated, but it's not as hairy. It was it was a really good depiction, though. I thought she did great, and I thought the director did awesome, too. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention Stephanie Meyer's Twilight series uh, regarding werewolves and... 
our boy, Jacob Black. Oh, yeah, awesome. So Jacob Black, he doesn't transform regarding like your typical transformation. He literally transforms whenever he wants, and he turns into a legitimate wolf. And if you think about it, when we discussed early on the Nordic mythology, the Greek mythology, and the Epic of Gilgamesh, everyone turned into wolves. It wasn't a human hybrid wolf. So as as much as you can say these series suck, which I don't like them really particularly. Um, it's most based on history. Exactly what people have said as far as history goes regarding werewolves. And there are a couple of shows that we have to mention regarding werewolves because one, they're awesome shows, and two, they are some of our favorite shows. Uh, the three we're going to mention, Teen Wolf via MTV, and the two most famous werewolves were portrayed by Tyler Hecklin and uh, Scott and uh, Scott McCall, Tyler Posey, and they were both alpha werewolves. These werewolves were very human. Yes. They were any, if you went to any Halloween party from 2004 onwards, you're going to see a wolf that looks like this, where it's just the facial features are more hairy. They have sunken in eyebrows. They have fangs. They have contact lenses. So it's very different than the Lupin version, than the um, Tolkien version. Right. The Vampire Diaries, which, come on. It's one of our favorite stories of all time. Yes. Also, anybody who's listening to this, uh, Vampire Diaries is off Netflix September 3rd. So you probably got like a day and a half to watch it after this airs. The two most famous werewolves in TVD were Mason and Tyler Lockwood, and both of them had to deal with curses. And in essence, it was very different than things like Teen Wolf, um, where these people actually had to, via the lunar cycle change into a wolf and it was very painful because it was a curse i thought they did a good job with the transformation but again it was very much like stephanie meyer's twilight where they just turn into a cgi wolf actually they they use legitimate wolves i think at some points yes um but it wasn't like your uh you know the hugh jackman um van helsing wolf where it was a giant hulking upright wolf-like monster, which is what I typically picture a werewolf as. I agree with that. The reason I like the Vampire Diaries of Werewolves is because they had to step over a line and they had to kill somebody to trigger this curse. I thought that that was so, not really like unique, but that's like, you can you can fight it off for as long as you can, but if you're destined to accidentally kill somebody, it's going to happen to you. Much like what happens to Tyler Lockwood in Vampire Diaries. And finally... Our ultimate favorite series of all time, Supernatural, does have to deal with werewolves. The most famous is our boy, Garth Fitzgerald IV, <laughs> uh, portrayed by DJ Coils. Um, and he gets bitten during a hunting, when he's hunting werewolves, I guess. And he eventually turns into a wolf. So it is, I don't dislike the werewolves in Supernatural. They are just wildly human. So it's pretty much a person with contacts and teeth. So it's not my favorite rendition, but we did have to touch upon it because it is supernatural. So of all of the movies and uh, books and TV shows that we discussed, and in your personal opinion, what is your favorite looking werewolf? And then what werewolf do you think is the scariest if they're two different things? Regarding like the top tier werewolf in all cinematic history in my opinion i might get shunned for this 
I think it is the Van Helsing werewolves. Hugh Jackman's great movie, um, Van Helsing. But those werewolves, the f***ing black one, oh my god, they're so unbelievably scary. And I feel like they're so much more animalistic the way they like move. And they're literally just out to kill whatever they can find. I think those are the best werewolves ever created in cinema. Um, scariest, I feel like it's a mix between the Van Helsing ones as well as um, J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter. Mm, top tier werewolves of all time. So we mentioned it earlier, The Wolfman, the 2010 remake. And I think the the version they do is a really good combination of exactly what you just said. So... I forgot the guy's name, Talbot. I think that's his last name. Uh, yeah. Um, his, whatever his first name is, Mr. Talbot. He Jacob. turns Jake. Yeah, that might be right. <laughs> we should know this. Yeah, we should. I haven't seen it in a long time. But he gets bit by a wolf, and he transforms into it is humanoid, where it's not six, seven, eight feet tall, um, and it's not on all fours, but it is still a very scary depiction of a modern werewolf i think very muscular covered in fur mm-hmm. um the claws are insanely sharp the teeth are insanely sharp the transformation that he undergoes in the psych ward is oh, out of bounds i will kill all of you yeah it's so good and like his teeth start falling out because the fangs are growing um that is one of my favorite i think versions of a werewolf and i i would agree with you just because i love the the fact that the werewolf in Van Helsing doesn't talk, it doesn't think really, it literally does one thing and it goes after Dracula. Yep. And it wants to just kill him. You cannot reason with that, and that's why I think that version of a werewolf is the scariest to me. That talk about one of your, if not the best like Halloween movie you could ever watch. It has witches, it has Frankenstein, it has uh Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, yep. of all things, and then werewolves and vampires. So good. Um, but also, The Wolfman. We talked about it last episode, but it won an Oscar for best makeup um, and costume. It's because the the werewolves in that movie are not CGI. Like, at points they are. By the time you hit, like, the final fight scene or when you see, like, the actual werewolf in the woods, it's somebody in a costume. And it looks so beautifully real. Uh, Guillermo del Toro, he like he does these amazing costumes for his movies because I feel like he knows what I like. I don't know why I think this, but like he knows I don't like CGI. And when he puts like a real costume in a movie, it looks so freaking good. And the fact that he did it so well in The Wolfman makes that movie mm, the classic great Halloween flick. So I guess the last question, or the second to last question um is do you think werewolves exist or do you think that they did exist and now they're very not extinct but endangered or do you think that all this stuff is just fiction so i do believe that back in the day lycanthropy was a way for people to project the blame onto somebody that they knew was bad or project the blame on somebody they knew was an easy target um regarding some type of crime like oh yeah this guy's a werewolf go after him and deal with him that way but 
there's there's like some part of me in my bones that believes that at one point in history, I don't know if it was regarding gods, regarding the supernatural or like a a curse put on somebody, but I do think that at some point there was a werewolf walking around somewhere that had to change during the full moon cycle and ends up killing somebody during the full moon cycle. So I'll leave you with this study. In 2008 and 2009, at the Australia's Calvary Newcastle Hospital, a study went on because some of the doctors noticed that at certain times of the month, some of the patients there, and this was this is a, a mental hospital, some of the patients there were acting out strangely at specific frequencies per month. Okay. So the study found out that of the 91 violent acute behavior incidents at the hospital that happened between August 2008 and July 2009, 25% happened during a full moon. Patients attacked staff and displayed wolf-like behavior such as biting, spitting, and scratching. So it does say that some were under the influence of drugs, um, but it's unclear why they became so intensely violent at those specific periods of time during that month or those months. The term lunatic comes to mind because I know a lot of people who work in the hospitals, nurses, PAs, they say during like a full moon cycle, they get a lot more, I don't want to say crazy people because that's not really the right term, but people who are a little bit more wild regarding violence and things come into the hospital at that point. And I believe that's where the term lunatic came from. Um, But my question for you, so it's classic folklore to know that a werewolf turns during the full moon. So the night of the full moon, werewolves have to, if you know you're turning into a werewolf, you have to chain yourself down. Um, You got to lock yourself in a room to make sure that you're not getting out to kill helpless victims. But there's, there's two types of folklore when it comes to this. So it's either you change on the full moon, but I know there's certain movies, TV shows, books written about it, that the full moon's a four day cycle. So which one do you like better? I like the four-day cycle, but I like it even more if they only change during the full moon on that third day. Gotcha. And the first two, their body is, in essence, already in the werewolf mindset, but they haven't transformed. So they still look like a human. So they still look like a human, and they do... I'm, I'm hoping they have like some kind of a, a control over what they're doing and what they're not doing. It would be a lot cooler, I think, to me... If you were waiting for those two days building up to the full moon and you were just getting worse and worse and worse as it got closer. My final question for you, because we haven't done a Brown Brothers Haunting Hour scale in like three episodes. Well, we haven't. (laughs) I just remember that. That's something that we're supposed to do. Um, On the Brown Brothers Haunting Hour scare scale, where would you put werewolves in general? So you can pick whichever one you want to pick, but where would you put that on the scale if for example you were walking home from like the bar one night and you hear like a and then you see something if i'm putting werewolves up in general probably probably a five somewhere in there not super scary but if i'm walking down a path somewhere and I hear a growl or a howl and I can see that it's like a seven foot tall Van Helsing type werewolf. And I know it's like right behind the tree line. 
I'm a brick. I am literally going to run so fast away from there that I'm putting that specific moment up as, God, an 8.5 all day. The problem with werewolves is that there's really no win. Like, unless you somehow have a fucking gun with silver in it, Mm. and for some reason the silver works, there's no beating a werewolf. No, it's not. And even if you get bit by the werewolf and it goes away, you have to deal with the curse afterwards. Right. And and most depictions of a werewolf, as far as the ones that I've read, they don't go away. So you only get turned into a werewolf if you happen to shoot that werewolf after it bites you. Yes. But, or if a hunter's like close by and, and they shoots shoot the werewolf while it's literally on top of you. Right. That's the only time in modern literature that we see someone turning into a wolf, minus it being hereditary. But it's it's like what we said. Most of the cases in history were that the werewolf not only bites you, but it literally eats you. Yeah, and your, your leg's going to be on the other side of the river. Your head's going to be on the other side of the path. You're going to be everywhere. <laughs> the rest of you's going to be in the werewolf's f***ing stomach. That's why I think they're so scary, because you know that whatever it's going to do to you is going to f***ing hurt. But okay, guys, that is our episode on werewolves. We hope you guys enjoyed this one. If you guys could do us a solid and give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, we would be eternally grateful to you. Also, you guys can follow us on Instagram. We are at Brown Brothers Haunting Hour. Then other than that, you guys can find us at the Seekers of the Supernatural Paracon coming up this October. Me and Tyler will be having new merchandise coming out very soon we know we talked to you guys about that maybe like three months ago we're busy sue us but it is now spooky season and we will have another round of t-shirts coming out to you guys as well as hopefully koozies um and other fun things so keep in store for more and as always we're the brown bros and we're coming to you from the grave